You're listening to Marathon Church Podcast. We exist to build communities that love Jesus, love people, and live on purpose. To learn more about Marathon Church, visit MarathonChurch.org. We hope that this encourages you today and builds your faith. Enjoy this week's message. What's up, you guys? How's everybody doing? Ah! Okay, I'm excited. All right. Um, online, how is everybody doing online? Everybody good? Can we give it up for all, all of our online viewers and our campus there? You guys clap because you don't really understand what I'm saying, but I told you to do that, so you did it anyway. But here's what you're clapping for. As an outreach pastor, I get to spend my week a lot of times getting to talk with pastors and uh, people from all over the place, all over the world, um, Pakistan to different countries, and uh, they see us in little old Powdersville and in Greenville and the upstate of South Carolina, and they, they're a part of what God is doing here all over there. So when I say, let's give it up for our online campus, you're, you're clapping for those all over the world that can't be here, and some that may, it may be sick or whatever. So when you clap, that's what you're clapping for. Can we make some noise for our online campus all around the world? Come on. Yeah. Thousands of people truly are, are getting to know Jesus and be even reintroduced to Jesus through uh, what God's doing here at Marathon Church. And so my name is Chase Kelly, and I'm one of the pastors here. So honored that you guys are here today. Uh, I spend a lot of my time at the Greenville campus. Uh, me and my wife do. We see new families. We're getting texts even today that there are multiple, multiple new families showing up all the time. And so if you, if you haven't, like, been able to get in with Lifetrack or you haven't been able to get behind the scenes and serve a little bit, I encourage you to do so. Two reasons. One, you get to experience what Jesus looks like in the next generation, and it's unbelievable. It will change your view about everything. Two, it's because we need you. <laughs> okay? I don't know how else to say it. Uh, we would love to have you. If you are interested in serving in any way in the next gen areas, because we are, we're not running out of space, we're running out of help because they just keep coming over and over and over, and that's the point. We want people to come to this campus and to our Greenville campus, and, uh, and we want you guys to bring your families, but we need you guys to help. So if you could do that, Connection Center afterwards, or you can go online to our uh, app, and you can say, hey, I want to serve. So anyway, uh, just new families coming in, and I'm so grateful for that. So I'm honored you guys are here today. Um, we are in a series called Open Heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, Open Heart. Yeah, open heart. Uh, we've been in this series for the last three or four weeks now, and it's a series that um, I, I've enjoyed. I don't know about you guys, but Eddie's done a great job, and we, as, as the pastors, we got together and we talked about all this content and stuff, and it's something that we needed to hear over and over and over and over. And today, what I want to do is I want to get us to a place where we have, uh, we have this spiritual heart rate that matches God's heartbeat. Does that make sense? And so the reason why I am so passionate about this is because I need this message more than anybody. And as I've told you guys before, you probably heard some of our pastors say it too, we, anytime we get up to speak, we, the week before, we're probably gonna go through whatever we're talking about. Like we're probably gonna go through the thick of it. And this, this week, it's no different. I saw it Monday morning. I was telling one of our security guys, I was like, we were talking about it, and I said, Monday morning, I look over at my wife, and I go, buckle up, because it's, it's going to be a rough one. But what that means is people are going to get to know Jesus for the first time, and that means that the kingdom's going to get grown, 
And that means I'm open, right? So I'm going to go through it with you. First service we have, we know of one salvation, and that means that that person will no longer spend eternity in hell. That's awesome. That's huge. And that's what we're here to do. And so here's what I'm going to ask you. If you are a believer in Jesus and you follow him, you have a relationship with him, this entire service, will you pray? Go ahead and start praying now as you're listening. Go ahead and start praying for the end of the service. Because there's going to be an opportunity for those that need a heart transplant this morning. And I believe so, uh, I believe with all my heart, truly. Here it is. You ready? This is like the, the butt of the sermon, I guess you could say. But it's like, Jesus is the answer. There's nothing I can say. I've got some great content. I've got some cool books that have helped me out personally. But you, you can take all this away and have Jesus being the answer, and that is what fulfills your life. That's called the gospel. Are you following me? So anything that I say, you need to hear me say this. Jesus is the answer, and how we, get, and how we journey with Jesus through this, that's what we're going to talk about today. Is that what, what does it mean to have open heart surgery on a daily basis? We all are heart patients. I know some, in, and, and I, let me disclaimer here, I know some of us probably, you know, you've probably had heart surgery. I'm not meaning any disrespect or anything like that. What I'm trying to get us to understand, this is that we have spiritual heart issues on the daily. Spiritual heart issues. And if, you, if you're wondering, are you sure, Chase? Is that, what, is that truth? Just look on Facebook. We all have heart issues. We all speak out of the mouth, and, and it's like just trash all the time. Some of it's good, but some of it's bad. And it, we all are heart patients, and we all are in need of heart surgery and examining of the heart. But how do we get to a place where we even come to the point of going, I have a, heart de- a spiritual heart defect, and I need help? Well, most of the time, in, in heart patients, unless you catch it early, you find quickly that there, it, sometimes it's too late because you have a heart attack and you wait, you're waiting too long and you don't even know you have a heart problem until it's too late, right? Think of me as a nurse, a home nurse for you guys, all of our heart patients here today, me included. And I'm telling you, you have a heart, a spiritual heart defect and you need surgery. And so what are we gonna do? We have Pre-op before surgery, right? And we have post-op after surgery. Pre-op, we get prepared for it. Most of the time, we, we hate that part because you can't eat certain things, can't drink certain things. And like that's, you're, you're getting ready for surgery. And so that's what the last three weeks have been about. If you haven't heard those messages, I encourage you to go to YouTube or uh, find us on YouTube and go look at those past three. That's pre-op. Now we're in post-op. And that's where some of the issue... Ha- some of the issue is. But in order to get there and understand that we have a spiritual heart issue, we, my prayer is that we slow down for a minute. Some of you guys that are coming in here, I, I'm just going to be honest with you like I was the first service. Some of you are going, I can't stand that music. I don't know why. It's really great. But you just have a music preference. And you're like, rah, 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 rah. would you stop that today? Get that out of your mind. You're still thinking about that. Clear that out of your head. Spencer and the team, they do a wonderful job. They're anointed And so it is okay. Slow down your mind. Some of you are going, you know, that building just needs to be worked on. And you're you're just, would you stop? Just stop. And some of you, uh, like my family, you probably have fought all morning long with your kids or with your spouse, and you were just 
fired up. The only reason why you're here is because you don't want the papers. You know what I'm saying? And so just stop. Slow down. Seriously. Everybody do this with me. Ready? Breathe in. Breathe out. Yeah. We got to slow down. I'm reminded of, uh, some of you guys know I have a music career, and I've had it for many, many years, and I had a song that I wrote for my mom, actually, who was going through a time, and she didn't even know it at the time, but it was a song that was all about, like most of us, we have this anxiety or this heart rate, and I watched her as she up and down, up and down, up and down, trying to figure out the rhythms of, of life and the rhythms of grace and trying to be enough, and I was just like, God. I want a song that maybe one day like, it will just be a legacy and maybe she can hear it and over and over and over, play over and over. And I cried. And I, a lot of times I cry because my dad, he cries a lot. And when he speaks, and he, like, he'll sing happy birthday and cry by the end of it. So like, I'm a crier, all right? But I sang this song and I, and I remembered this with, with everything. Going on today, I was like, God, that's so right. And it was simple. It says, slow down, take a breath in this moment. Leave all the worries you're carrying. Be still in the midst of your chaos. Let go of all that you fear. Because I feel like that's all of us. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like that's all of us. I cried at the same part, and I told the lady backstage I was not going to do that. But I get to that point. Because every time I look at faces, there is a fear going on. It may not be as big as some of the others, but there is a fear inside of us. And I'm a little kid at heart, and I just want to walk with Jesus. And I mess up, and I I go my opposite way, and I hear him, and I feel him bringing us back and going, quit, slow down. Quit. Slow down. Some of you guys I know are going to, you're in the middle of wedding season and you're getting ready to be married. And holy cow, if any time, slow down. And just take in the moments. Look for the rhythms of grace. Look for the moments of God. So today, would you please just breathe. Slow down. Take in that moment. Confess that you are a heart patient today and that you need a savior and you need a surgeon. You need what the Bible says, a great physician. The great physician. This is what I mean. Mark two seventeen. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. That's not why he came. But the sick is who needs the doctor. And I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is good news. Why is this good news? Because that's you and me. That's, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And so he, he hasn't come for those that got it together. He's come for those that are sick and are in need. He's come because he knew that we were heart patients long before we did. Are you following me? We are heart patients, and we need to realize this in a big way because I want you to live life to the fullest. I want you to, live, I want you to understand this. Once we come to understand his plan for our lives 
and accept the work that he's done for, uh, or to repair our broken hearts. That's the cross. That's the gospel. We discover the amazing reality that we never have to live again with a broken heart. And that's good news. We're, the world is filled with really bad news. But what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago allows us to have what should be broken be whole. And so today I hope it lands with, with people that, are, that need the great physician. Our hearts need to be examined on the daily. If we want to live life to the fullest, if we want to do everything and be everything that God has called us to, we're, we're going to have to examine our hearts on the daily. Well, no chase. I, I think all this is wrong. I eat my Cheerios. I run the race. I do it all. 5K, bring it on. I got a good heart. Heart of steel, boy. No, you're missing the point. Eat your Cheerios. Be like my friends in Kansas. Run the marathons. Do the, do the works. I'm talking about a spiritual issue, a heart issue. And you need a physician for that. Because your heart is broken. And you need to work past that. You need to pray this uh, heart patience prayer is what I call it. This heart patience prayer is found in Psalms 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Holy cow, that's me. See if there's any offense, uh, offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. I, I don't know if you need to take a picture of this, go on the app, find the notes or whatever. This right here should be in your bathroom mirror, on your car or whatever it may be. You need to go before the Lord and you need to say, search me, oh God. Because I got heart issues, I'm a mess, I'm a wreck. But if there's anything that is offensive to you or offending anyone else or maybe hindering me from you, God, I need you to get that out. And you need to be okay with the answer. I, my parents, they taught me this. My, I have three kids and we, they go to school and every single day, every single day they go to school, we, we go through what's called prayer lane. All right, you guys can adopt it. It's totally free. All right, here we go. We go through prayer lane. And what prayer lane is, is that even if I walk them to school or if I drive, we have a section before we get to school that we, I pray for them. I pray over them. God, I pray for Georgia that you would bless her and I pr pray that you would protect her, wrap your arms around her and that school today. And I start praying for her friends and, and I just, oh my gosh, I get so like just, God, please bless them. Because I don't know if you guys know this or not, School is really hard these days. And I'm not talking about the academics. I'm talking about just being human. Are you following me? So it's, it's our jobs to train them up in the way they should go, as the Bible says. And so here's the deal. I'm going to pray for them and wrap them. But guess what I do before I go there? I pray this prayer. Sometimes I pray it with them. And sometimes I pray it before I even get in the car. God, God, I'm sorry. Will you search my heart? If I've done anything that has separated me from you, I'm sorry. But I'm about to go on behalf of my kids, and I need you to know I have a pure heart. 
And then I pray for them. When's the last time that you went before the Lord and said, search me? Some of you guys are probably scared to death to even say that. Guess what? That's okay. It, it is. It's okay if you were in a place of going, I, I don't, I am so messed up. Exactly. He came for you, the messed up. That's the good news. So confess it, have a pure heart, and then watch God move in and out of your life all the time. Your finances, your marriages, your kids, your work. I have conversations about this with people all the time. And they tell me how much they're going to do to fix it. And I go, you're starting off on the wrong foot, if I can just be frank with you. And no, my name's not Frank. You're starting out saying, this is what I'm going to do. And instead, you need to go, God, search me and intervene in any way. I'm struggling with my finances right now. And I, I, there's a bill that I didn't see coming. And I need you to intervene. So if there's anything that's hindering me from you for me to know what to do, would you please make it obvious and wipe it away? There's, a, there's power in that confession. Why do I care about this so much? Because of this. Matthew 12, 34. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. As John Christ, a Christian comedian, I love him. He's amazing. He says it best. Check your heart. Check your heart. He says a bunch of jokes about it, but the truth is, it's the truth. Like, we need to check our hearts when we start talking about certain things and we start making decisions. Because out of what the heart is full of, out of that, that base, that, that character of your heart, that's what your mouth is going to say. And like I said, people literally are dying and going to hell because people with bad hearts don't speak up and say, I care about that. And that's an issue. And I, I want to speak truth in your life. I want to introduce you to a guy named Jesus who's radically changed my life. You'd rather keep it to yourself. We all have heart issues no matter which way you look at it. And it's time that we start to understand it because, if you, again, I want us all to have full lives. I want us to have a heart that is so pure that when we see things on, on the TV, like war, that it breaks our hearts. I, I'm, I've, listen, I'm just going to be honest because I'm one of your pastors and I feel like I have to really allude to this. As it pertains to Russia and Ukraine, I've had people tell me and I've heard stories of saying, oh, that's none of our business. Okay? If you are a Christian or a follower of Jesus, it totally is your business. And here's the reason why. This is not Chasen's opinion. I don't want you to take my opinion. In Romans it says, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. Look around you. People are dying. Someone just came up to me after service and said, did you realize that 90% of the country, which I didn't know this, I got to do some fact checks here, but there's a lot of people that are Christians in that country. We think Americanize God. 
That's bull. He's a vast God and there are Christians being murdered. Weep with those that weep. There are families that are being separated. In Galatians, it says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. It should bother you. Because out of the heart, the mouth, or the, the, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if you're saying, that's none of our business, you need to check your heart. That's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. It is our business if we are Christians and Christ followers. Everything that we do, our witness, all comes down to our heart. It all comes down to our hearts. Some of you may be sitting there thinking, ah, I've heard this before, preacher. Uh, give my life to Christ. We're good. I'm just, I'm just really exhausted right now. <sighs> yeah, me too. Three kids, church, a family, music career. Like, I get it. I'm exhausted. This whole week has been restlessness. Multiple nights of sleeping two hours, and that's it. And waking up and having counseling sessions, waking up and trying to have conversations with people about Jesus in other countries. Like, I'm exhausted. You're not telling me anything that I don't know. What I'm trying to get you to understand is I'm not the hero. Jesus is, and it's time for us as believers to find this rest that God is talking to us about all through Scripture. If you want to be Anything for the kingdom, you got to understand this. To give God my best requires rest. If you're going to give God any kind of best in you, you're going to have to figure out how to rest. And what I don't mean is sleeping an extra two hours and it being okay. Or playing another round of golf. Or going on vacations. I'm not talking about that kind of rest. What I'm talking about is a rest that only God can fill the void. Of your, of your soul and of your mind and of your heart. There needs to be this spiritual uh, heart rate that matches God's heartbeat. And when those are in line, you flourish. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. Am I perfect at it? No way. That's why this message is for me. If I can be honest, every one of you are mirrors to me right now. Because I'm speaking to myself because God's telling me, your heart rate is all over the place, Jason. I need you on the front lines. But in order to do that, to give me your best, you're going to have to find this rest. And he's showing me through these books and these scriptures and all this. And I, and I get it. There's different types of patients. Um, my wife... She just had surgery back in uh, September, major back surgery, and she was going through uh, just a horrible time with this, pre-op and post-op. It was just, it was rough, really, really rough. But one thing I remember is being in there and the doctors telling me uh, and Casey both, like, hey, we're going to have to put some more anesthesia in you because we think this surgery is going to have to be a little bit longer. And so um, just know that you're, you're going to have a really nice cocktail that we're about to give you, okay? Like, and you're going to go to sleep forever, <laughs> pretty much, right? I'm like, forever? No, you know, no, not that. But she's going to get some slumber, right? So I go down to the kitchen at the hospital. It wasn't barely an hour, and they come get me. And I'm like, is everything okay? 
Like, oh yeah, it actually went phenomenal. And we don't, surgery's over. She's just going to be knocked out for a, for a little bit longer. But you can come up and you can sit with her. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, man. I'll just, I'll follow you. And so we go up and there's like these real thin sheets. I don't know if you guys have ever been in this, but it's like three sheets and that's your room. And then right beside it is another three sheets with another patient. And they're like 12 to 20 of these in one room, right? And I hear, because Casey's knocked out, there's been like four patients come in and out. And I'm like, good gracious, let's go, girl. You know, come on. There's this one elderly gentleman that came in, had the same surgery. Now, some was in agony pain, like, like just, gosh, it was rough. And I'm thinking, oh, I hope Casey's not going to feel that. This one gentleman comes in, and I can hear him because he's right beside me. And I can hear him going, ah, not, not exaggerating, ah. I'm going, oh, my goodness, what is happening over there, right? And all of a sudden, I hear him saying, ah, oh, ma'am, can I get a cup of coffee? And I was like, a cup of coffee? You better, he said, no joke, you better make that too just because I'm, I'm sort of feeling it right now. And she said, sir, do you not want to wake up? Said, nope, coffee's my medicine. Nope. So she goes and gets him a coffee, brings it back, and she said, can I get you cream or sugar? And he said, oh, no, I like it black. Nope. But you better get me another one. I'm going to need it, I'm sure. Oh, this is good coffee. And I'm sitting there. My back is against the curtain, and I'm just laughing a little bit. But I'm like, is he okay? Like, or it's like do I need to intervene? You know what I mean? And then I hear him say, oh, excuse me, ma'am, is your restroom in the same place? And I'm like, was he going vacation here? Like, he knows where the bathroom is. So he... He finally, she, she said, yes, sir, it's uh, right. Hey, oh, I know where it's at. I'll get to it. And he starts to get out of bed. And she's like, no, 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 you don't need to do that. Oh, I've been here before. I know it works. And he gets up, and, he, and I can see his little feet, you know, and he's just going like this. And he goes to the bathroom, and he comes back, and he sits on the bed. He's like, oh, I got work to do today. Ah, uh, we about done here, ma'am? And I'm thinking, here is my man card. Like, I... I don't know. And the dude, I finally, his daughter or somebody came in and said, Dad, you're up and about? He said, yeah, we got some stuff to do today. I need to, I need to get on out of here. Uh, well, you finish up here. I'll meet you in the car. And he gets, no joke, like gets up, walks out of the hospital. And I'm thinking to myself, there's people like that. There are patients, fine. I had gallbladder surgery. I couldn't eat anything still. There's other people that are like, take me to Burger King. And I'm going, how? I say all that to tell you, just because I, in one way, you're not going to be the same. What's painful to me may not be painful to you. But at the end of the day, we all should share the same heartbeat of God. And we all are going to be broken at some time and we're all going to have pain and we're all going to... So how can you help someone else with this resting spiritual heart rate? Don't be like the guy that's like, ah, just give me a cup of coffee, I'm out of here. And don't be the guy that's on the other side going, I'm going to die. We got to be in the middle with this thing. 
Here's the truth. The truth is to give God my best requires rest. I, I, I'm, I love this quote from Rick Warren. We need to realize that resting is a spiritual issue. It's not a time. Oh, I just wish we had more time, Chase. That ain't, that ain't happening. What it is is a spiritual issue. And you, you haven't really been one with God to actually realize that. We need to realize that resting is a spiritual issue. We find that Jesus, he understood this well. I was explaining to a, a, a Craig behind stage. I was like, man, here, here's something awesome to think about. What filled Jesus' spirit wasn't the crowds. Most of us think we look at Jesus as this amazing healer, which he was, and he was this guy who healed the lame and made blind people see, and he fed the 15,000 you know, people or whatever, and we think of him as this crowd-based guy, and that's what filled his spirit. But what filled his spirit was solitude and being alone with the Father. Every time we look in Scripture, we find that he escaped to what sometimes the Scriptures call the lonely place or the place of solitude where he connected with God and he prayed earnest prayers. We find it all the time. We see it, Matthew, before he went to the cross. God, if it's your will, I, I really, let this cup pass from me. So he's praying earnest prayers saying, God, will you intervene? Will you come into my life right now and intervene and help me and show me the obvious truth? And all we want to do is sleep two more hours and think we can get rest that way. Or we think that we need to work more to prove more. Like, we don't have time to get along with God. Look, Jesus, uh, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he what? Prayed. Where he prayed. When I was going through a burnout season in my life, a, a pastor friend gave me this book called Out of Solitude. It's a very simple, easy book, but I don't know if you can tell, but I've, I've marked it up like crazy because I realized Jesus is my example here. And I realized I was making just horrible decisions with my time. And the, the front of it says this. It says, Jesus went to places of solitude, the lonely, the lonely place to pray, to grow in awareness that all the power he had was given to him. In this place of solitude, Jesus was filled to accomplish what he came to earth to do. Jesus was filled. How's your heart? When's the last time you've been in solitude? Is your resting heart rate panic mode, depression mode, anxiety through the roof? What is your heart rate? What is your heart rate? Change the posture of your heart. If I can encourage you, change the posture of your heart to be about him intervening and, and instead of blame coming in. Instead of opinions coming in, let God intervene and change you. To give God your best requires rest. To give your family your best requires rest. 
to give your kids or your spouse, it requires rest. And you have to make time for it. It's not a matter of you don't have time. That is so much bull. We all have time. We choose to do something different with it. John Comer, he says this, Attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. For us heart patients, our hearts need attention. But Chase, I... I, don't, I really don't have time for it. You do. You're not slowing long enough down to, under, to realize it. You're, you're trying to be the hero of your problem, and that's not it. It's not going to happen. If you want your marriage to survive, then you'll take the time. If you want your kids to survive in this crazy world, then you will make time. If we want to survive, we'll make the time. Make the time for what? To rest in God's goodness. As we start to land this today and we start to wrap up, there's three quick ways that I want you to think about resting in God's goodness. And this is going to go super fast. But the first one is this, is remember remember your value to God. Remember that you are valued. Listen, uh, men, uh, I hear you. I, my age, I'm almost 40 years old, and some of you are like, that's still a baby. Last I checked, it's 40 years old. My body feels the way that it does. I'm not 20 anymore. So, but men, listen to me. Us men, as the head of the house, let's just say that, We need to soften our heart. You do. Big time. Because a lot of times being the man, you got to fix it. I got to fix the problem. I'm going to be the hero of the problem. We need more money. I'm going to make it. Listen, soften your heart and let God be the provider of your house. And watch what happens to, to you. Stop having a hard, hardened heart and actually let God in and manage your, your marriage, manage your finances. For those that are single in the place, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you're drawn to lust or you are in a place where you get fulfilled with things on the internet or what you watch or things like that, I'm going to tell you, out of the heart, the mouth speaks from experience. And it's not a good place. So you need to check your heart quickly. Because Satan knows this. He knows that he can't have your heart when you belong to Jesus So if you are a Christian, if you have a relationship, you prayed that sinner's prayer and you have a relationship, he can't own your heart. But he can send stuff your way to damage your heart to make you not the best you can be for the kingdom. And he wants to seek, uh, he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy you. So check your heart. And for the, the women, I don't know who needs to hear this, 
but you are loved and you are valued. You are valued today. I don't care what anyone has told you from growing up to now, whatever it may be, you have so much value and God sees you and he knows you by name and you are his prized possession. Quit trying to add stuff to your plate to be worthy and just rest in God's goodness and be his daughter. You're valuable. All of us are valuable. For sake of time, Matthew 6, 26, you can read that, but it talks about how much, how much value you are. How much valued you are. More so than birds. Number two, limit your work to six days a week. I almost didn't put this in here because I'm like, six days a week? But I realize that a lot of people are, they work. Most of us spend our time doing some kind of work or we, we have a hobby or something. So I actually would probably say sp- get it down to five days and then have a hobby day and have a solitary day, what I would call the Sabbath day. And for some of you guys that have been in part of church or whatever, you know about the Sabbath and you've heard that before and that's, it's a whole entire message in itself. So I can't really go into it, but I, I did find a resource for us to sort of end this service on. But you, did you know that we are designed out of rest? Everything that God did included this spiritual rest. And every single one of us are kicking it away left and right. And it's causing major friction. And we're going, I don't understand why I go to church. Well, what's happening? But you're crowding your life and you are not having that lonely place. Our friends at the Bible Project put together this awesome short video to explain it. Check this out. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power, and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness, where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But 
How? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day, and that the ultimate Jubilee of freedom and rest would come but generations go by, and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears, and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah, saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh-day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, and he confronted disorder and darkness in all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath, and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh, wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him. Or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's not a requirement. It's not a requirement. It's, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. Not people meet the requirement of Sabbath. Most of us believe that this idea of rest is a requirement. Nah, just don't tell me what to do. No, 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 no. You're missing it. Flip that. He, he put this in order so you could be fulfilled. So in order to have this heart transformation, we're going to have to find this balance. 
in a, in the, like I've been saying, the spiritual heart rate. And that leads us to our last point. How to rest in God's goodness is exchange your restlessness for God's peace. How do we do that? How do we do that? I mean, here's my point. The solution to an over-busy life is not more time, is to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. That's your relationship with Jesus. I told you from the very beginning, Jesus is the answer. It's not more time. It's not more vacations. Not more golf. It's Jesus and more time with him. That's the solution. Will you guys stand with me? I want to end today with just a, a, a blanket of just, if, if you're feeling weary or if you're feeling tired and you need to just, as the old school says, the altar is open, you're welcome to come down here in a minute. We're going we're gonna to sing this chorus. Don't leave. I'm asking you, don't leave. If you're watching online, don't turn it off. Because in this moment is when someone gave their life to Christ. If you are burdened today, this altar is open. And some of us have brought agendas to the table. And we need to get that out of the way. And we need to say, nothing else is going to do except for, for you, God. You're the answer. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Are you tired? Let this be Jesus' voice to you today, not mine. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The invitation is there. I'm going to pray, and when I say amen, if you want to come to the altar to release some things or maybe just put something at the front of Jesus and say, I'm sorry. When I say amen, don't hesitate. You just come on, okay? Jesus, it's all about you. Lord, thank you for designing us in such a way that rest is a part of it, as a gift, not a requirement. God, I'm praying for us here at Powdersville. I'm praying for those online. I'm praying for those at Greenville. That you would put us into a state of rest. That that we yearn to be alone with you. to, To have a relationship with you. God, that's my prayer. Lord, here in a minute, you know the needs. May we be bold enough to come to the front and just get on our knees and pray. God, and confess, Lord, I need you. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting with us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message and made a decision to follow Jesus, be sure you let us know by connecting with us online at marathonchurch.org. If you haven't already, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. 
To experience more messages, videos, and live gatherings, visit us at marathonchurch.org or download the Marathon Church app. Thank you for listening to Marathon Church Podcast.